Will leaned back into his chair while I explained how we could reconstruct my department and transition into a retail business by acquiring an existing dealership. He was visibly impressed by the idea. When the bill came for our lunch, I reached for it, but Will said, I hope you're going to use the company card for this. I chuckled and replied, well, no, sir, I was planning on using my personal credit card. He then said, I'm sure Mr. Lancaster would approve of this lunch. You certainly earned it. I'm going to run this idea by the decision makers, and I'll let you know next week where we are with it. After a very satisfying Italian meal and very productive meeting, I texted for an Uber. By the time we exited the restaurant's front door, the car was waiting for us. I got to work, and as the afternoon wore on, I had an unsettling feeling in my stomach. At first, I attributed it to the heavy lunch I just had, but the sensation was a bit different, and I couldn't help but thinking I needed to talk to Andy. A sense of worry crept over me, so I tried calling her, but I got her voicemail. I then sent a text. No response. I kept checking my phone every 15 or 30 minutes, eagerly awaiting her call. When my phone rang, I answered it, only to find myself disappointed when it turned out to be my dad. I said, oh, hey, Dad. And he said, well, hello to you, too. How are you doing up there in the big city? And I could hear Cody in the background asking, have they fired her yet? <laughs> we discussed our plans for Thanksgiving and worked out some details and then hung up. As five o'clock drew near, my frustration grew, and I began to think, I can't do this with Andy if she can't be available. And then finally, my phone rang and I saw it was Amy. I playfully answered the phone. Chateau de Roxay. However, Amy's tone was very somber, and she didn't laugh. Okay, Rox, before I begin, I need you to know that Andy is okay. Why would you need to start the conversation off like that? Obviously, something's happened. What's wrong? What's, what's happened? What's going on? I can't say. But if you go to this address, they will explain everything, I promise. Who is they? Can you just find the place? Do you know where it's at? Yes, it's just a few blocks from here, but again, who is they? I can't say anymore. Just please go. They are expecting you. Trust me. When I arrived, I found a typical government-looking office. Neatly organized, mostly. Industrial in nature. Neutral, no frills. Bland furnishings. I was met with a woman who happened to be walking by the glass reception wall. She noticed me and stopped and asked through the intercom if she could help me. I said I was told to come here, and she asked, what is this in reference to? I said I was told someone could tell me about what's going on with, and there was a slight pause as I searched for the description of who Andy was to me. And after some consideration, I finally just blurted out, my girlfriend. The woman asked for a name. I said, Andy. I mean, Andrea. Andrea Ramirez. She followed it up with, and your name is? Roxanne, I answered. She instructed me to have a seat in the small enclosed waiting room, which had more of a holding cell vibe about it. Several minutes went by, and I was getting impatient and more concerned. Why did Amy have to start the conversation off by saying she was all right? Something definitely is not all right. A few more minutes went by, and I stood up and started pacing the floor. And many steps later, the door buzzed open, and a middle-aged man, who apparently sits behind a desk a lot, appeared. 
He was kind of tall with a military-style haircut and a belly that indicated he liked beer and perhaps visited the pizza place around the corner a little bit too often. He stood holding the door open and asked, Roxanne? I said, yes, sir. He said, please follow me and we'll go into a conference room. As we walked, I asked, where are we? He said, you are in a FBI field office. My name is Fred. We arrived at the small conference room, which again had a holding cell vibe about it. He asked me to have a seat and asked if he could get me anything like water or coffee. I said, coffee, please. Fred stuck his head out the door and asked a young man, who didn't even look old enough to have a job, to get coffee. Fred then turned to me, allowing the door behind him to close slowly upon itself, and he began to speak. I know you have a lot of questions, and it's my job to answer as many as I can, but first I would like to summarize the facts and events that have caused you to be here today. This all starts with you meeting a woman slightly younger than you in a barn in Overton, Texas. Your dad's barn, I understand it. There was a pause, and I said nothing and remained poker-faced as he observed my face and body language. The pause was interrupted by the errand boy bringing in a decent tray of coffee in a pot with all the condiments one could want and several white ceramic cups. Still not sure why I'm in the FBI office, my mind went wild. Is Dad involved in something? Or maybe it's Andy. She's been mysterious and evasive since we met. The boy poured me a cup of coffee first, then a second for Fred, and a third for himself. Fred then introduced him. This is Tommy. He is a new agent here. I took a sip of the coffee, and it was perfect, and I said so. Fred smiled. He said, thank you. We take our coffee very seriously here. It's the fuel that runs this office. If it isn't right, well, it's just a bad day here, he said. I asked myself quietly if that was a joke, because it sure sounded like Fred might have a lighter side to him. Fred continued to get to the main reason of why I was here, as I noticed myself becoming quite comfortable and trusting of Fred. Roxanne, he said, getting my attention and getting me to focus. He then continued a monologue. I have here a debriefing of what happened, and I'm going to share with you most of what we know. But first you need to know that there is a crime boss in Dallas named Vincent Bazzilli. Now, Vinny runs a tight ship, and he has eyes and ears all over the city. And lately, he has grown suspicious of Andrea, who has been working as his waitress at his restaurant, Mario's. Believing she might be working as an informant for the authorities, Vinny decided to confront Andrea and insisted she come to work, even though she was not scheduled until this weekend. This is why she had to leave New York just after she got here. I said, oh, okay, well that explains her sudden departure then. Yes, Fred acknowledged and continued. As Andrea arrived at Mario's, according to her own words, her stomach sank and the hairs on the back of her neck tingled. She thought this was not right. She was greeted by Vinny and his three burly bodyguards. Two of them grabbed her by the arm and put her in a chair in the back room. Hey, let go of me. What are you doing? A third bodyguard went to the back to secure the rear entry, and I couldn't stand it anymore. I interrupted and said, is she okay? Fred said, yes, and I will get into the details of that. She is fine. Little bruised and beaten, but she's okay. Now, at this time, they had an FBI team monitor listening to microphones placed inside the building. That team monitor called Agent Walker, who then scrambled his team together. 
Jason knew that they had to be careful with the situation as it could escalate and go south real quick. So the team met and was presented with some extraction plans. Jason's son, J.J., interrupted and said, Yeah, we could do those, but I have a suggestion. His dad said, What is that? J.J. said, I suggest we call the ref. He goes in, gets her out, and we are still in play. We got most of what we need. We just need this transaction to take place. And as far as Vinny concerned, it'll be just a third-party event, and the FBI is still invincible. Jason agreed. Well, let's do it. Let's call the ref. Jason monitored the team from a nearby van as the situation grew more intense. He knew he had to act fast to extract Andrea before this turned ugly, which it did. Vinny demanded, who do you work for? Andrea replied, I work for you. Have you not seen me here waiting tables? She looked innocent, and for a split second, Vinny thought he might have made a mistake, and that she is either an actress worthy of an Oscar, or she is in fact an informant. Vinny said, you only work here several hours a week. What do you do the rest of the week? Andrea indicated she worked at a local stable. Vinny looked at his thugs, who know her daily activities, and gave a slight nod yes, acknowledging her to be telling the truth. Then Vinny asked, why are you meeting a police officer? Andrea was confused, and so were we, quite honestly, because we knew nothing of this. We suspect it was just a bluff question. Andrea denied this, but Vinny looked at his guards, and they nodded no. That's when Vinny backhanded Andrea, and it started to escalate. He cut open her lip. Andrea went limp. Blood and saliva dripped from her lip onto the floor as she slumped over in the chair. Continuing her act, she decided to play weak and innocent, despite the fact that she wanted to jump up and beat the shit out of this arrogant sleazeball. But being tied to the chair with two men armed with handguns was the only thing preventing her from doing so. Meanwhile, outside, J.J. called the ref. What's up, brother? J.J. explained what was going on. Two grunts in the front, one in the back, female, middle-aged female waitress, zip-tied to a chair. Main target, armed with what appears to be a Glock, in close proximity to the hostage. What do you think? Copy that. Um, yeah, I'm thinking drunken monkey. Oh, I likey, J.J. said. Okay, well, I've got the alley in the rear entry. J.J. quietly approached the rear bodyguard, moving like a cat, with precision. He put the man in a chokehold, causing him to pass out, zip-tied his hands and feet, and duct-taped his mouth, leaving him unconscious in an alley behind the restaurant. Andrea's phone rang. Vinny looked at it, and he looked at Andy and told her to behave herself and he turned it on and put it on speaker. He held it in front of her face. The ref was on the other line, a former Navy SEAL who served in the Middle East with J.J. He was known for his extraordinary skills and discretion. The ref pretended to be Andrea's drunk boyfriend. Hey, girl. What the fuck? Your roommate told me he went to work. We had a date, and I'm out here right now, and you ain't here. What's going on? And what you wear and... Well, babe, just so happens I'm wearing rope. Nice. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm gonna be there. Listen, listen, I'm gonna be there in a few, and you can blow off work today. The team cracked a smile, 
The ref almost broke character and snickered quietly, thinking to himself, Girl, you're, going to, you're killing me. True to his word, the ref appeared at the front door as J.J. made control of the rear entry. The ref entered the restaurant, continuing to act drunk, loud and rude. Ah, all this wonderful beverage. Let's see here what we got. You know, bourbon and jack, okay? Woo, Texas crown, come to daddy. Whoa-wee! There it is. The two bodyguards attempted to intervene. Oh, could either of you gentlemen kindly tell me where I could find a really hot middle-aged waitress tied to a chair? But the ref's combat training took over as he used the method of the drunk monkey style of kung fu, which seemed to be appropriate, seeing that the ref was a little bit drunk. Oh, that's going to leave a mark. The ref then entered the back room and saw Andrea tied to the chair. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Oh, man, that's just fucked up. Tying my girl to a chair. Dude, that's my thing. Did you let him do this to you? Vinny and Andrea looked confused. According to the ref in his report, Andrea had tears running down her cheeks as she felt the barrel of a gun pressed against her head and she squeezed her eyes shut. The ref said then he took a few steps towards Andrea, but it seemed to spook Vinny, so he stopped. Vinny apparently was confused about what was happening and felt like an innocent situation had been escalated, but he needed an out. So the ref tried once again to close this by saying, if you don't mind, I will just take my girl here and we'll be out of here. But Vinny started to sweat and become scared and shaky. The ref saw that this was going south real quick and having a no-shit moment, thinking Vinny was about to do something stupid. The ref saw J.J. coming up the rear with the gun trained on Vinny and discreetly flipped him off, giving him the fuck you finger, which was their personal code for this is foobar, fucked up beyond recognition, take the shot. There was a loud pop as Vinny fell to the floor over Andrea. The ref lunged forward and kicked the gun far away enough that Vinny couldn't reach it, and then kicked him in the face to knock him out. J.J. exited back quietly and carefully not to be seen. The ref then cut Andrea loose and guided her outside the front door like a junk boyfriend, then stopped in the streets with onlookers and treated her like a cheating girlfriend. Didn't I tell you, huh? Didn't I tell you? You fuck around and you find out. Get in the car, bitch. He opened the door and carefully but aggressively threw her in, and they drove off. There was a conversation that happened in the car. Thank you. No, thank you. That was extra back there, what you did. You did great. But I'm pretty sure you're done with this one. They're going to pull you now. Andrea said that she wanted to call Roxy. Call Roxy? Girl, did you just not see that high-level hero shit I just did? Come on, that's good for one bump and grind. I'm sorry, Craig, my heart belongs to someone else, and I like women, and you are so not a woman. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got that right. Besides, you wouldn't like it anyway, sweetie, I just lay there. 
you know, well, whatever. The ref drove Andrea to a specific hospital ER where she was treated while a team secured her location and posted agents outside her room. So thanks to the quick thinking and skill of this team, they had successfully extracted Andrea without any casualties, leaving Vinny to think, what has just happened? But it's not over yet. I mean, it is for Andrea, and we expect her here in a few minutes. But we are telling you this because you are listed as her ICE. ICE, I asked. He said, yes, it means in case of emergency, if she is ever in a life-threatening situation where you have to make certain calls about her life, her life is in your hands. Since meeting Andy, I wasn't clear if I could ever have a relationship with her. But it's quite clear to me now that we are, in fact, partners. But I want to hear it from her. I want to hear those three words out loud. Soon, I saw Andrea escorted through the office, approaching the conference room. She was wrapped in a blanket, her eyes swollen shut, her mouth swollen, and my heart ached as I jumped up to hug her tight. I couldn't pull her in close enough. I softly kissed her cheeks. I am so glad to see you, I said. Andrea asked the agents if we were good here because she'd like to go home. Fred said, yes, get her out of here. And just for the record, we are monitoring you two just in case Vinny discovers what's going on and decides to send a message. Thank you, Andrea said. Fred said, no, thank you. You did great, and I'm proud of the work you've done. Outside on the busy streets of New York, I hailed a taxi cab, and we climbed in. And I asked her, where is your home? The Marriott? She just smiled and pulled close to me wrapped her arm around mine, and put her head on my shoulder. It was the most relaxed I've ever seen her. And she simply said, my home is where you are. Once in the apartment, safe and secure, we sat on the sofa. I just stared at her, thinking, wow, she is such a badass. Andrea tilted her head and asked me, what's on your mind, Roxy? And I said, I was just sitting here thinking, how beautiful you are, and how fortunate I am that our paths have crossed. But then her smile got serious, and she began to speak softly. I was very aware of the gun pressed against my head, and of the reality that life may end in this place right here and right now. Before you, I would have begged Vinny to pull the trigger, but now I want to build more memories and spend what's left of my life with you. Roxy, I squeezed my eyes shut while images started playing in my head like a movie. I was back in the barn with you at your dad's place, remembering how cute you looked and how badly you flirted with me. And then I recalled our first kiss under the night stars at the Iron J pub. I recalled holding you on the dance floor. I remembered holding your hand as we walked the streets of New York just mere hours ago. Time seemed to stand still as I held on to those memories. And then I had a silent prayer. I begged God, please, not today, God. Not today. And there it was, those three words I longed to hear from her. I love you. Mm -hmm, Yeah.